think it's a risk when you're of that mindset. Mm. You know the process. You know there's a price, though. So don't forget there's always a price. There's a price for success, price for failure. Price for success is certain hours. You're going to go without certain things. Sure. Okay, ultimately, of course, you get more freedom. You get various things. But there's a price. It's always a price. So if you go fitness, there's a price. You're going to have to go without something. You're going to suffer a bit. Okay, mm. there's a price. So are you prepared to pay the price? Know what you want. Are you prepared to pay the price? Okay, welcome along to Financial Athletes, where we delve into the minds of intellectual leaders and innovators who are shaping the landscape of their respective industries. I'm your host, Kieran McDiamond, and on today's episode, we have the privilege of sitting down with a visionary leader who has redefined the world of finance and brought about transformative change. Our guest today is none other than Nigel Green, the distinguished CEO of Devere Group, a trailblazing figure in the realm of finance. With a career marked by astute insights, unwavering determination and a commitment of ethical excellence, Nigel Green has risen to the forefront of the financial industry, guiding his company to new heights whilst navigating the complex challenges of our ever-evolving economic landscape. Now, Nigel, welcome along. Thanks so much for making the time to be with us. I really want to delve into today what it's like to build a company and how the whole journey started for you and and what have been the main challenges that have come along the way. So where did it all begin? Uh, The international journey started with me finding the UK difficult so I was very successful in the UK mm-hmm. and then I had a tougher time but what was your what was your background in the UK when you were there um so I came in a financial services very young age I came mm-hmm. in uh, actually before I was 18 just before my 18th wow. birthday believe it or not um so I came in young I started door knocking so my career junction five of the M4 mm-hmm. a place called Langley okay. okay blocks of flats and I started my career by knocking on people's doors talking about life assurance I wanted a career in financial services it was a way into the industry or was it that attracted you to financial services i wanted to be a lawyer kieran mm-hmm. um so yeah you know i thought law would be great you know barrister stood up there talking mm-hmm. but at college i did business studies majored in law but i realized the books were going to be too boring for me mm. <laughs> so i got natural impatience but i was quite fascinated by economics in those days it would be penny shares and supply and demand and all those things they that was more fascinating the energy uh, of the market energies of the market yeah, yeah. Sure. um so that attracted me mm-hmm. i realized that i had to start as a novice in those days sorry kieran you know you're, you're younger than me in those days most people didn't go to university so people who went to university were lazy in my day people went to university uh, were only just nine percent of the population so most people if they wanted to work hard they went out and they got a job mm-hmm. so i studied business studies and i went and got a job starting financial services knocking on doors learning how to talk to people literally about protection and life cover. For people of the younger generations listening to this who, who <laughs> perhaps are, are wanting to know about the, the route to, you know, starting their own company and, and growing, the idea of cold calling and knocking on actual doors must seem such a, a far away concept. But for you, it must feel probably like yesterday, right, that it happened. What was it like when you were going through that? And you Because there was nothing before that, right? It, it, it was just going door to door and, and, was, and speaking yeah. to people. Um, what was that like? I knew the numbers. Mm-hmm. So somebody trained me well. They told me if I knocked on 25 doors, this is what would happen. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was naive. You know, the uh, bumblebee, I aerodynamically can't fly, but no one told the bumblebee. Okay, so just think. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Nigel Green, I didn't know, you know, I thought that was, I thought that's what you did. Mm-hmm. So I just did what I was... Well, that was the done thing at the time, right? It was the done thing. I did what I was told to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was always competitive, just naturally in sport. I always wanted to win. So then I looked in the office and I was trying to beat everybody else. So it was that yeah. natural competition that 
drove me. Mm-hmm. wasn't that I wanted to be successful in particular. I just want to beat everybody else. And of course, if you beat everybody else, then you are successful. You are successful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you you started in life assur- so life assurance and life assurance. assurance. Yeah, and then as anyone who knows your story well would say, that you, you became a top manager in in the London based office. You sort of excelled, and you were quite young at that point, right? You were younger than most of the people you were looking after. Yeah. So in fact, I was. Uh, so I became top man in the company. Okay, mm-hmm. and. And one of the managers was actually Bristol in the company I worked for. So there's a thousand people in the company. Okay, previous year I'd been the top person in the company. So that, that competitiveness had mm-hmm. come out. I'd outworked everybody. Yeah. The average age was probably 35. Everybody was over 25. And then uh, one of the top managers quit in uh, Bristol. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted a manager for Bristol. Okay, he'd quit. He took his team with him. There was no one in the office. Person who was the top person in the company, I guess they liked me. They realised I had potential. Mm-hmm. For me, I just thought I deserved it. And he Sounds like you did. I, well, I thought I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, looking back, I think he took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that he took a chance on me. And You don't feel you, you don't realise how young you are when you're young, though, do you? No. And anyway, it's when you get to sort of... I'm, I'm 28 now, but you look back at someone who's 18. But when you're 18, you feel, feel like a man. Or, or, yeah, or a woman. of course. Yeah, yeah you yeah, feel yeah. fully like grown, but you. Look- I mean, well, some people are ageist at whatever age, aren't they? Yeah, they think they're too young, think they're too old. As you've always said, if you're if you're good enough, you're, good you're old you're enough. enough, right? And yeah, you're playing for Manchester United, you're 18, you're scoring goals, no one cares, right? No, no, it's all. Um, so I always think it's about can you be good enough? Mm. Anyway, they gave me an office. So I moved down to Bristol. It was successful, and then London office became available. I was like, okay, chance to go back to London. Yeah, uh, so I went back to London, made London office top office, 37 consecutive months. Wow. I loved managing. Managing was great. Okay, I always found that in general managers weren't good. So being top, you know, most managers weren't good. And ultimately I wanted my own company. Okay, because managers weren't great. So at what point did you did you like twig that you really wanted to do, do your own thing? When did that come about? Probably 27, 28. Okay. I wanted to run a company. More because I felt, you know, there's a little bit of arrogance in there, isn't there? Uh, although I'd say I'm very grounded. There's this bit that I believe I'm as good as anybody else as long as I work mm-hmm. hard. I didn't want to work for somebody I didn't respect. Didn't want to work for somebody that I didn't feel could help me grow. Mm-hmm. So I came to the conclusion, okay, I'm better off just running something myself. And then I'm in control of the atmosphere. I'm in control for of sure, the environment. Yeah. Um, so that attracted me. So then I started a company. That did well. But then the UK had lots of challenges. A friend of mine had gone to work international. And this it? is where it gets interesting. Yeah, this is where the story really starts to heat okay, up. Okay, well, he kept coming here. It took, took him a couple of years, in fairness. He kept coming in going, why you put up with this? Okay, why are you paying this tax? Why are you paying mm-hmm. this weather? And he was in Barbados? At the he, yeah. Uh, Bermuda? Uh, Bermuda was Bermuda. the place he took me to. And he kept, he kept just saying, at least come and have a look. And then he said to me... And what was stopping you at that point? Because you, in your role now, consistently try and bring people overseas to work in our international yeah. offices. So... What was, and maybe this will help with recruitment, I don't know, but what was the moment that you were like, okay, I'll take a chance, I'll get on a plane and I'll go over the Atlantic Ocean and and see what Bermuda's like. What was the one thing that he said to you that made you like think, okay, let's do it? I was an arrogant southerner, eh? I thought the world ended at Watford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I thought London was the best city in the world, but the right time came. And maybe it is, but... Maybe it is. Oh, maybe if the weather was great <laughs> um, and there wasn't any tax, yeah. Reality is there's a big world out there. So wherever you are in the world, reality is, wow, this is a huge world. Mm-hmm. So I think I just suddenly realised... I'm, my brain's contained. I'm just looking at one place mm-hmm. when really there's a globe. Oh, Had you wow. travelled much when you were younger? Uh, yeah, my dad was a preacher. So my dad was a Baptist preacher. Okay. He brought me up 
Um, so you were moving around a lot? Yeah, my, yeah? my mum died when I was before I was two. Um, so my dad brought me up mm-hmm. and uh, he was a was actually a famous preacher. So he used to go to America, take me to America, and he'd be preaching. Like the big sort of southern state churches? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, yeah. that must have been I an mean, experience. I mean, if he'd been in America, I'm sure he'd have made money. He never wanted to make money. So, I mean, my house was full of waifs and strays. Mm. So just imagine my childhood was, you know, we'd have drunk staying, we'd have... He thought he could change everybody. Okay. Um, I guess I realised that you can only change people a certain percentage, maybe 10, 20% you can change people. Take a horse to water. Yeah, but he did believe he could change people. So I took mm. some of that, I guess, into management. Okay. I travelled with him. I mean, he literally had That's where your belief in people's potential must come from then. It your comes dad. from my dad. My dad. It must do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and great principles. Interesting. I mean, and the Bible's got great principles. So if you're, you know, whether you're religious or not, mm-hmm. then it, there's there's good principles in there. And so I think my, I was lucky. My childhood was a dad that had great principles. Mm-hmm. I think he was too nice. So instead of just being too nice, I learned from it. Mm-hmm. I learned that actually you don't change people so much. I learned maybe from him that there is a big world out there. Yeah, because um, you must. Well, I, I still that, got that focused in London. Right? I was like, "Oh wow!" Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because it's not. It's not. It's not one hundred percent either way. This one. It's like you were very focused I was on really London. Focused, yeah. But there was there's probably something in the back of the head, a little appetite for. There must have been a little adventure. appetite. Eventually, he said, "Look, come to Bermuda, mm-hmm. right? Let me show you." Yeah. Right? Um, so I went to Bermuda for three weeks. Mm-hmm. There's a guy called Liam Boylan ended up, uh, we're well, still working with us in recruitment, and was working with me, booking meetings. And I'd go and see, right, somebody who was broke, I'd go and see somebody with money, I'd go and see anybody, mm-hmm. didn't phase me. So selling life assurance at that point? No, I was no. talking about investment, I was talking okay. to expats about tax-free growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, the good thing about expatriates is they, they go abroad, why? Because there's more opportunity, why do they go abroad? Uh, so they can save some money and put it aside, mm-hmm. sometimes to pay off a mortgage. Yeah. So they've gone abroad with the intention of creating capital. And I was talking to them about exactly what they'd gone to work abroad for, create capital. Easy conversation. Yeah, and my natural curiosity. I mean, in Bermuda, their shorts either match the socks or the shirt, right? Um, really? And I had, I had a suit on. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, it was a different culture for me, but I learned very quickly and was very excited. Did you by stick with the, the suit the whole time? I stuck with a suit, but, yeah. you know, once you're in a place for... T- for a certain period of time, you actually start to want to adapt. Of course. It's yeah, natural. You start, yeah, it's herd mentality, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, really yeah. strange. Anyway, I didn't, okay, but uh, nevertheless. So then, okay, he organised the next one for me, and I'd, I'd agreed then to go and work international for him. Mm-hmm. And the next one was Azerbaijan. Okay, so, you know, we're going back over 20 years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. Okay, so I've gone from Bermuda. Yeah, it's not what it is now. I never had this, right? So even, you know, I didn't come from money, but okay, it was there was no toilets. I mean, no toilets, right? Squatting the, you know, there was a hole. There was no good hotels. You talk to an expat, you say, why are you here? Okay, and they say, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a frontier, right? I'm the first well, It's oil and gas, isn't it? Oil and gas. Yeah, very yeah. oil rich. Yeah, and they were the first ones in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second one was... It was amazing hearing that because I, I visited Azerbaijan, I think it was sort of two years ago now. And what a place. It's incredible. Stunning city. Yeah. I was blown away by how beautiful. I mean, someone called it the uh, the, the Paris of the, the Middle East. And yeah. I was like, no. And then you get there and you're like, wow. Because you went there for the Chelsea-Arsenal game, I think. I went for the Chelsea-Arsenal game, total change. And I mean, it had been a while since you were there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was right. there. I was there when you know there was a few expats. Yeah, and it was called Windy City, mm. right? Okay, and it was you know it was an experience, but I learned and again I developed. Okay, it was great. Okay, then when I left Bermuda, there was a, um, a hurricane. Okay, had come and like right wiped out Bermuda. Right, like two days or so wiped it out. Just massive problems. Anyway, I left Azerbaijan. And when I left Azerbaijan, this is only a three-week trip, right? It's what we used to do in uh-huh. the early days. It was the world's worst train crash. I oh, know. Okay. Uh, the day after I left. So you've got a bit of a, a track record of things going wrong when you leave. So, so, if, so if, if someone sees you leaving a city, it's a good idea to go with you. Well, it gets worse. So then I went to Hong Kong. Okay. Okay. And uh, the day I left, there was a towering inferno. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then everybody was like, okay, if he goes, I go. But I gained the experience of being able to talk to expats in different mm-hmm. countries, realise the massive potential of the international market. Sure. So I was excited. It, it was, you know, that early period was very different, but good. Mm. I want to I know, though, what was the one moment that made you go to start the adventure? No, he told me to have a look. Yeah. Right. So I still had this attitude. The world finishes at Watford. Mm-hmm. UK was, you know, having a tougher time. I don't know. One moment. Okay. I had a family. I wanted to give them the best. So I'd gone from there to 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 there. So you took a risk here because you weren't young, free, and single at this point. You had a family already. Any, I didn't have the savings. No. So I actually had a. Uh, I'd made money in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone from earning good money. Yeah. Okay. However, I'd spent the money. Okay. Right? I'd invest in the company that I. I had regulations got tougher so there was a time when we, we couldn't actually give advice because they brought in right uh, particular exams that everybody had to come off the road and do right. and he was like come and see this there's massive potential okay eventually I said I'll have a look I didn't have the money I had a Rolex so I can't say I was completely broke uh, but I pawned the Rolex mm-hmm. so I took the Rolex okay to the pawn shop obviously thought I was going to get it back and then I went to work in Bermuda and then I made sure I earned enough money to get the watch back and yeah but I started I didn't really money you still have the watch I still have the watch yeah, yeah, yeah. got a bit of memory to it that must be one of the biggest things for people who have a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit and a bit of a desire to go and do their own thing but that's the fear right that you you leave the comfort of an income or the comfort of and stability of a company yep. and kind of row out onto the open water in a dinghy rather than being on a big cruise ship because that's what companies have feel like right you've got a, every facility you want and then you get onto a tiny little dinghy and you're kind of in control of your own destiny talk to us about how you would advise someone who's thinking about, I really want to do my own thing. I want to get into that what the world of starting my own company. What's the natural first step? That I you mean, the first advise? step is, is know, you know what you want to achieve. What's your goal? Why? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your reason? Because um, if you don't have a really strong reason, you're going to give up too easily. Mm-hmm. So I think goal planning is always super important. And then I think there's a process. Everything you do, there's a process. Uh, so for me... Is it a risk? No, there was no risk. I'll tell you why there was no risk. I knew that if I did this, this and this, this would occur. So that didn't feel like a risk. Okay, the risk was, do I really want to do that? Do I want to put myself in that position? I still knew if I did that and that, okay, then I knew that I would achieve. So let me give you a different example. Let's say you want to get fit. Okay, you know if you have certain nutrition and do certain exercise every day, you'll get there, right? Is there any doubt in your mind? 
None. Okay, so if there is, then read more, study more. Okay, get it so you got a plan of action. Mm-hmm. So you know what you want. Okay, and you really want it because don't forget, there's always a price. You're gonna have to go without something. It's mm-hmm. always a price. Okay, and then understand the process. What's the process? Okay, you're really prepared to do that. Then stick to the process because you know you're gonna get there as long as you follow the process. So you're not looking too long term. Well, you are initially. Yep. You're going long term. You're seeing the goal. You're writing it down. Yep. But then you're focusing on day to day. I'm very focused Short on steps. Steps. Yes, and It's like the story about the, the horse and the dog in the woods and the horse says, I can't see my way out of the forest. Yep. He says, but can you see your next step? Yeah, correct. And he says, yes. I ran, a, I ran a marathon. It was like, you know, it's one step at a time. Uh, it's only one step, right? That's what it is, right? Um, take the next step, take mm. the next step. Take. I, yes, I'm very much like that. I think there's it's success, someone said, by the inch is a cinch. By the yard, it's hard. So you take each step, then is it a risk? No, it's not a risk. As long as you know the process, as long as you take each step and you're prepared to discipline, you take yourself, take it. I don't see it as a risk. For an entrepreneur, the bit, the bigger risk is not doing it, right? I think that's like a lot of things in life, right? Yeah. The biggest risk is not doing it. I mean, it's like exercise. If you don't do it, you're going to die. Okay, well, maybe it's a good idea to do it. One <laughs> hour of pain you, a day to... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, is the goal worth it? Is it, you know, what's... But actually, no, if you don't do it, what, what what's going to happen? So, yeah, you, you don't think it's a risk when you're, when you're of that mindset. Mm. You know the process. You know there's a price, though. So don't forget there's always a price. There's a price for success, price for failure. Price of success is... Certain hours, you're going to go without certain things. Sure. Okay, ultimately, of course, you get more freedom. You get various things. But there's a price. It's always a price. So if you go fitness, there's a price. You're going to have to go without something. You're going to suffer a bit. Okay, mm. it's a price. So are you prepared to pay the price? Know what you want. Are you prepared to pay the price? I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. So you've obviously got an extremely strong entrepreneurial mindset. The company was built on your desire to build from the ground up. And did you envisage it to get to the point it is now? That's the first half of the question. So go to that. Did you ever think when you were kind of at the early stages of building that you'd get to where Devere Group is now? I mean, at its peak before we went a little bit more uh, hub-based, there were, what was there, 75 global offices, people in every jurisdiction, 80,000 clients. Was that in your mind? Yeah, bigger. Bigger? Yeah. Okay, because that leads on to the second part of the question, because now you've got your eyes set on Goldman Sachs firmly. Yep. And that is a very constant and reoccurring <laughs> theme in, in, in meetings within the company. They are, they've got a target on the back. We're coming for them, right? Absolutely. Uh, so I believe in big goals. Yeah. I mean, I look at Goldman Sachs. I mean, it's 200 years. We're 20. Mm-hmm. Okay, but... You know, the world changes. The world changes fast. Are you nimble? Can you change? Can you adapt? And we've seen it before in industries where suddenly one particular company will start to dominate that industry. Okay, we go financial services, and in particular America, Goldman Sachs is very, very strong in America. Okay, I'm not going to attack them in America, in fairness. I want the world. I mean, it's a big world out there, big opportunities. Yeah. You know, and the world's changing. It's changing fast, as everybody knows. Can you... Be ahead of everybody. Find those one percents. Can you can you move things quicker? You know, let's go positives and negatives. But the positive is when you're a smaller company, agility. You've got agility. You've got advantage. So play to your advantage and go for it. Because so I suppose for Goldman to make a decision, must take the internal processes of something happening there. Yep, will take much longer. Like anyone who's worked at the Veer Group will know that when there's a, an idea, an opportunity, it's Okay, we see it, go. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, let's go, let's go an event happens in the world. Mm-hmm. I can react to it. Mm. Okay, fast. I don't have to go check, 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 a yeah. committee meeting to check. Mm-hmm. So I think when you've got that type of structure, then you can move quicker. The world changes. Do you need those big offices that Goldman Sachs have got? You know, that thick carpet, do you really? Maybe you don't in today's world. I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. So actually... Do you have an advantage? Oh, hang on a second. So people are going, oh, wow, I can't do that. And then I'm going, well, hang on. We've got advantages over them. We can actually move quicker. We don't have this dysfunctional size that's difficult to change. Going back to the ship analogy, you're trying to turn a cruise ship. Yeah, correct. Against a speedboat. Um, So whilst it's a big goal, then it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Let's go for it. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. Okay. Why not? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's brilliant. I, like, I, I love the uh, the size of the goal. Going back to entrepreneurialism, you have built Devere. And a lot of people say there's that, that have worked at Devere, there is no company like Devere. And from the outside, people will say, okay, well, well, what do you mean by that? And I think from your perspective, you've built the company. It's not, not a company uh, in a traditional structure. It's a company of individual businesses within a business. Correct. So you've got a whole collection of leaders within their own right. Yes. who drive their own ship, who are CEOs of their own life to many in many ways, right? Was that always the idea that you wanted people to, you know, drive their own growth within a bubble that ultimately elevates the whole team as a, as a collective? Yeah, I like the philosophy. You recruit the best possible people, probably better people than you, if you can. I like the fact that there are certain principles that you stick with, mm-hmm. but somebody then can within that structure within that positive environment there's certain things in culture client first for example high energy is another there's certain things that that are principles have to stay but within that then each individual really has the opportunity to drive their own business i mean let's take you let's take anybody that's listening to this what you're good at so if you work for Devere, we try and find what you're good at, encourage you to do more of it. I think that's the, you know, I'm often said that I'll look at somebody working for us and go, let's change the role. Okay, why? Because people are put in a job and they're left there. The reality is sometimes they're not good at that job. They're good people, mm-hmm. but they're a square peg in a round hole. Sometimes you need to change it. Uh, you need to find people say what do you want from me okay well I'm, uh, no, hang on a second okay what, what do, do you, you want, want for yourself what do you want for yourself mm. what do you what's your, what you what do you love let's get you more of that one of my first memories of you we were in a, a training academy in Mal- uh, not Malta in Dubai and there was a South African guy on the course and he said ah Mr Green I'm going to make you a lot of money and you said no no make it for yourself finding the right people Find the right people. But not it's, it's more potential, right? Because you're, you're finding the right yeah, people, but then seeing, true. trying them out in different environments. Where, where could you be good? Because there's so many people that I know in the company, nowhere near the job role that they started in, myself included. How, how do you keep the decision-making process of that so like dynamic? I think there's a, low, a whole load of things that drive it. I mean, one, I try and travel as much as I can, so I'm mm-hmm. actually in there, but I'm trying to develop people like me that can also do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, reality is in life, you don't tend as a company to find diamonds polished all ready you know somebody's polished and really good at their job they're probably staying in their company or if they are leaving why they're leaving so you're probably going to find someone let's call them a rough diamond you're looking for people who've got potential you're looking for people and then you've got to try and help them develop their potential but don't forget they always it's their potential and it's what they want to do Mm -hmm. so you're just producing a system a culture which enables them to motivate themselves 
you're producing a system and a culture, if you like, something they can use, a vehicle, to achieve what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they're going to be self-made. Don't, don't think you do it. You can influence it. You can help them get there. But they actually get there is the reality. Mm-hmm. So I can provide environment. I can provide training. I can provide that structure and an incredible industry, it's then what you make it because you don't have to take any notice. Interesting. And you'll become more of what you already are in reality. It was um, Ronald Heifetz, who was a Harvard business professor, really famous book, and he said, leaders create other leaders. They don't create followers because if they create followers and then the leader's not there, everything breaks up. That's how you that's how you drive change and that's how you grow people. So you have to create other leaders and you have to give them the track to, to, to grow the team. And I think that's extremely applicable to the way you run this company is that you you want people to drive their own destiny. It's not it's, and, and it's also you're, you're being very humble on it. It's not I'm taking credit for the people that we've created. It's no, no, they've done it. We've just given them we've given them the track to run on. I think we give them the best environment if we go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, we give them the best structure. I mean, think about the tech, think about all the backup and support that we give them. Um, So we give them all of that, but they've got to drive it. If they don't have the desire inside, it isn't going to happen. And that that makes sense as well. I mean, you're not looking for people who who want normal. I don't want people who want normal. I want people who want to be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. You know, and that means you've got to go the extra. How do you find them? Oh, wow. You know, shining eyes. I'm looking at yours. They've definitely got some... You know, some sparkle in them. Um, so you can tell with somebody if they've got that, just that natural extra bit. You can tell someone when you're talking to them if they're positive. You can tell with someone. I think, you know, most of us know really, if we're honest, within a few minutes of meeting somebody where they got that extra bit. And every now and again, you meet a real winner. Oh, wow. Okay, pile your energy in there because that person's got massive potential. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I, you know. I mentioned the eyes. <laughs> yeah, I like I like to be able to see somebody, feel the positivity. That's the person that, that's got the potential to win. So you'd hire someone in five minutes, not three months, right? Yeah. If you if you see it straight away, you make your mind up. I make my mind up quickly. But I think most mm. people do. They just don't realise they did. There's so many um, recruitment processes, and anyone who's who's gone through the process of finishing university and going through trying to find a job will know that there's so many so many stages to it but it sounds like in your perspective it do, it does not require endless interviews and I don't think it does I mean even tests c- CVs right someone could write a great CV mm. great chat GPT could write a good okay. CV too <laughs> yeah yeah maybe it's average now because everyone's yeah. using it yeah. um, so I don't think that on its own can indicate no. I think you actually probably need to meet somebody mm-hmm. um, do, you, so, do you still get involved in the recruitment process yeah particularly a higher level I mean I think mm-hmm. it's still part of the key of the job so you're finding winners within the company sometimes you're looking for someone from outside the company as well even you know whichever level mm-hmm. so i think yeah who you bring into the company makes a massive difference you said earlier today that and disclaimer you said prior to it i'm not ageist but we like young people to come into the company why why was that i mean if you go statistically if you take on a thousand young people mm-hmm. i'm more likely to get success than a thousand older people mm-hmm. thousand older people so what are we saying older above oh 40? wow hey, you could be 30 you know and, and some people die at 30 um, they, don't get, they don't get buried till they're 70 yeah but they gave up oh I see what you're saying yeah <laughs> okay, okay. yeah I think in life some people you know I mean there's there's words aren't they people say I'm experienced okay but actually you know they got 30 years experience they got one year's experience 30 times sure yeah, yeah. yeah you got people that have had lots of kicks in life 
and they go, this time it's going to be different. Okay, but they're actually expecting the next kick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in life you've got, you've got to guard be, up already before yeah. you get, get a chance to work. So unfortunately, older people, and they have to be careful of it, I have to be careful of it, mm-hmm. they look through rose-coloured spectacles. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, Kira, if you go out of a girl called Claire and she's not great, next person you meet called Claire, guess what? Subconsciously, you might even... It has an effect. So just imagine during your life you have lots of... It shouldn't at all. It shouldn't, but but it it does, plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And you you could... You know, when it comes to like naming children, people people say, "Oh, I'm not going to name them that because, because I because yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. person." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Could, you can. Or all Canadians are useless. Okay, well, had one. <laughs> okay, well, I met three, and they were like, "Really?" Okay, well, you met three. You know, it's a big country. You're going to write off the whole country. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, sometimes. Well, I say sometimes. Often, age doesn't help. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does, but mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't. So I'm super happy. I'm not ageist in so much as if I've got someone who's older, got experience, energy, and has positivity, mm-hmm. not expecting a kick, I'm, I'm happy. But I'm also really happy with a clean piece of paper. Somebody yeah. who's joining the business, wants to learn, mm. okay, and actually he's got a growth mindset. It's easier because uh, they've got clean piece of paper, they want to go for it. And especially the speed the world is changing right now. Give mention to a, to an intern who worked in the marketing or works in the marketing department of the company, came in and probably had the best grasp of AI and helped teach everyone around him yeah. at a very early stage what what you know what was going on in AI and helped drive. Because I think we're one of the early adopters of the technology that came about. If you sort of think back to last October, you were shouting from the rooftop of every <laughs> office yeah. about AI. Yep. And, that, and that's just one example. Before of, everybody else was. Yeah, um, to get that head start. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. So I'm always looking for things, always looking for the edge, always looking mm. for that 1%. We don't have to go ageism, right? So so you could go, young people know it better because, okay, and you're right, they do in general. Mm. You can have an older person that, like me, for example, they're still curious, they still wants to know. So... However, as a percentage, reality is more young people get it than older. However, I'll look at both. Okay, I just know statistically I'm better here than here. Doesn't mean I won't look at that because I will. I'm not going to rule off all, all Canadians because I met three. Okay, in fact, every Canadian I've met, okay, I went to the Canadian Grand Prix a couple of times. Um, we're absolutely awesome. So, Fantastic people. Uh, but then you meet someone else who says they're not. Okay, well, they're not open-minded. So I think if you've got energy and you're prepared to grow and learn, age is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. People who want to start their own business then, would you invite them to the company? Is that is that Absolutely. the mindset you're looking for? Or do they, do they not perhaps know that, that... Like if someone's tempted to do their own thing, they really want to start their own company. But is this is this like a, a sort of... Soft landing for them. It's going to be really hard work, but it's an easier way of creating your own business. I don't know if it's an easier way. It's a proven technique. So if you start your own business, then, you know, I've got a great idea. Well, you know, lots of people have got great ideas. People think, oh, I've got a great idea. Okay, well, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. It's implementation. Yes, um, execution. It's execution. So you've got a company that's looking for people that are innovative, company that's got a proven record. You can just copy what we do, and then you can be innovative on top. Mm-hmm. Um, your results can take you anywhere you want to go. You're in an industry where you're helping people. I think it's just a great business to be in. If you're going to start your own business on your own, Okay, well, you're on your own. It's better with people. 
okay, if you're going to start your own business with an idea, well, there's a zillion people in the world got an idea. Okay, it's not enough. What else have you got? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think being part of a company that encourages entrepreneurial people can actually give you people around you that can help you and encourage you. I think you've got the advantages of both worlds. You've got the advantages of being entrepreneurial, which is awesome, mm. and you've got the advantages of a big company. So I think it's it's perfect. You'll have some people just want their own thing. They want to be on their own. Okay, that's fine. Give it a go. They're probably not for us. So that extreme's not for us. The other extreme, I just want to go to work and do as little as possible. Okay, that's not for us, right? There's plenty of nine to five jobs. And of course, uh, you know, COVID gave us even more of those people who quietly quit. Mm. You know, they got three nine to five jobs, but companies don't know about each other. Yeah. So there's a world out there. People of, are working from home uh, and working for someone else. Uh, absolutely. So there's a people that, you yeah. know, want to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not for us. Yeah. So ours is all you in. the best of both worlds and then all in. Fantastic. It's been a great conversation. Links in the bio of the episode for recruitment, because I think that's the, the, <laughs> the direction that the conversation went. So if anyone's interested in looking at opportunities that Nigel has discussed today, and there are many, there's several open opportunities at the moment it's opportunities globally mm-hmm. so as a company we as you mentioned we got offices all over the world mm-hmm. uh, so yeah in particular dubai abu dhabi milan portugal okay places spain okay visas a problem for brits unfortunately but okay there's opportunities for people who got european visa we're expanding in asia so there's opportunities new zealand australia uh kuala lumpur i'm sure i've missed places out well, there's a lot going in, on and, in, and uh, indonesia the americas as well. uh, oh china Canada, as well mexico yeah, yeah absolutely so, there. yeah. Oh, Africa as well. Mauritius. So as a company, I think... Anything in, in North America? No, nothing in uh, in, in America, in, in the United States at the moment. Uh, North, North America, anything above there? Canada, Canada, just about to happen. Okay. Yeah. Any, any any clues on... Uh, well, it's uh, just an, an approval. So okay. before the end of the year, we'll be in Canada. Very exciting. Which city, do you know? Uh, I think they're going to be in, in two cities. So I think it's split a split country, isn't it? So it is. It is, it I, is. Think, I think we'll have both offices. Montreal, Toronto, by the sounds of it. Correct. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, it, it will open by the end of the year for sure. Fantastic. Okay, so yeah, information on how to apply um, to have a five-minute interview <laughs> with Nigel in the bio. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get that all arranged. Nigel, it's been so good to speak to you today. Thanks for the insight on, firstly, the, the sort of formative part of your career, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and how you can be an entrepreneur in different ways how you can do it within a company structure or how you can go out on your own and take take the world on by storm but it's been really interesting to get your insights so thanks so much for sharing them all today and we look forward to everyone who has joined us today and joining us on the next episode which will be out very soon